So I'm Michelle Bell, and I'm here with Joanne Lance, president of Top 40 Distributor Geiger, venerated industry veteran, a perennial member of Counselors Power 50, and my dear friend for 20-plus years now. Welcome to ASI, Joanne, on the premises. I am thrilled to be here on the premises of ASI <laughs> and, and walk the warren of hallways and see so many smiling faces oh, and nice. actually to see so many familiar faces. It's been a warm, warm welcome. Well, we're thrilled to have you. Thank you. A um, couple questions while we have you on site that I'd love to ask, and I'm going to jump right in. You and I talked briefly. There was an article posted last Friday in Fast Company Magazine, and in which the writer, by the way, in her words, uh, makes the argument that promo products are an environmental nightmare, again, her words, and that consumers should shun them like electricity using Amish. What are your thoughts on that? I, when I read her article, I first of all, I was befuddled and confused because her first par paragraph was how she received a branded tote bag at an event and how she loves that mm -hmm. bag and she uses it over and over and over. Hmm. Doesn't that mean that that bag is environmentally friendly? And so when I continued on with her article, uh, one argument did not support the other. Uh, yes, there are some products in our industry that uh, we all feel that are uh, very, very low cost, low value, mm -hmm. and that recipients would not find value to that. But that's the minor minority. So much of what we do actually supports a sustainable sure. uh, lifestyle. Everything from, uh, I was just uh, talking about how I love my metal uh, mug that I travel with and this morning when I was <clears throat> at on the airport uh, at Dunkin Donuts and uh, I didn't want the paper cup I asked them to put my coffee right into that mug and I carry it on the plane with me ah, so I don't spill sure and yet if we did more and more of that then those paper items and those other items wouldn't be uh, adding and filling mm -hmm. the trash so uh, it's it's just the opposite in fact and isn't it interesting? I mean, what are your thoughts, too? She seemed to miss the whole point, really, of for small businesses, it's such a powerful medium as far as promoting their businesses. And it really does kind of level the playing field to use promotional products. And she completely missed that. She just kind of zeroed right in on um, her perceived environmental impact of promo products. But it seems to me that that's the best argument one could make for using them. Well, using uh, for small businesses, promotional products, uh, the whole purpose is the value of the medium to communicate the message, because uh, through the ASI uh, studies, we, you, we can com we can actually communicate to buyers of the uh, repetitious nature of the product and how you see the brand over and over and over. So it works, especially for small businesses that has a really cool logo. Now. Uh, I do have to bring this up. Just last week, the Boston Red Sox won the World Series. <laughs> and, Congratulations. Uh, at the uh, parade, uh, I was just astounded to see the uh, crowds uh, jostling for the promotional items that uh, were in such high demand and people are actually paying for them uh, to support the brand sure. uh, and the victory. And where, what uh, market is there where customers will actually pay for a branded item. Yeah. They actually find that there's so much value they pay to see it, to wear it, to use it. And if you have any other advertising where a customer actually pays you for it, I'd like to know what it is. Sure. Uh, not because they have to pay for it, because they actually want the uh, 
with the items. Yeah, that's a great point. So recently, last month at the ASI Power Summit in Tucson, you were kind enough to sit on a panel with me and some of our uh, global friends on globalism and promo the products promo products industry. You know, we had Michael Freder from PSI and Steve Lovescheck, our friend from Canada, from Talbot Marketing, and Chris Lee from Brand Edition. And we talked about tariffs, which I, I would say empirically right now is the is the hot topic in the industry insofar as the impact that it's going to have on our marketplace. And I thought you made a really interesting point during the panel discussion. You said the tariffs on products, not margins. Mm -hmm. So I get, my question is twofold, but can you address that first and maybe expand on that a little bit? Well, I, I'd be happy to. And tariffs are really on my mind these days uh, because uh, many suppliers are all struggling with how they're going to address tariffs. And Are they going to have catalogs? How is it going to affect their pricing? Are they going to print are, catalogs? How are they going to list it in their, their pricing? So first of all, a tariff is actually the duty that's imposed upon items right now coming from China into the United States after October 1st. Uh, that's imposed upon the value of the product as it is imported or crosses the border. Uh, suppliers are uh, in many cases decorating the products here in the U.S. Yes. The cost of decorating is not included in the tariff because that's a United States cost. For those suppliers that are actually decorating in Asia and they're bringing the product across the board, the tariff is still imposed upon the cost of good, not their margin. So if there is a 10% tariff on a product, mm -hmm. uh, the price that we would receive as a distributor, it's the tariff isn't 10%. It's a percentage of that 5 or 6%. Depends on the margin of the supplier. Mm -hmm. When we add our margin to the product, that tariff then gets reduced again. We're not uh, The margin isn't on the tariff, so it, it gets reduced. Now, some suppliers, as a pricing strategy, they're including the tariff as part of the uh, cost of good. It's not a line item. So then we can't really tell, sure. and so there's a margin added to that. No one is handling it cons in a consistent fashion, mm -hmm. and uh, everyone is looking at each other else saying, how are you doing it in terms of adding the tariff? What compounds it even more is that goods, after they cross the border on January 1, some of those goods that had a 10% tariff are going to go up to 25%. Mm -hmm. And so the same thing will happen again. So suppliers are really struggling, sure. as they should for their pricing strategy in terms of how they price the product, how they add the tariff to it, and whether they build it in, do they keep it separate, and how do they track it. It's making it very confusing for everyone. It is. It is actually Christopher Ruvo, who's one of our um, senior writers, just did a comprehensive piece on tariffs that for the December issue of Counselor that uh, we're going to post online. It's really helpful. How are you communicating this with your clients what's to try <laughs> to kind of prep them for what's coming? Well, we've been uh, actually working on communications with our clients now for several months in anticipation of the tariffs. And what we do is we're actually citing a couple articles that one that ASI has published and one that another publication mm -hmm. has published where we include the links to those articles in our quotations to our customers. And our quotations are very clear that if the goods cross the border uh, prior to October 1st or if the supplier has it still has inventory mm -hmm. of goods that cross prior to October 1st there is no tariff but they need to anticipate that there will be a tariff and then it's a conversation because it comes down to pricing in terms of how much would the customer want to pay for mm -hmm. the product or sometimes they switch and go to a different product. Sure. They might even switch altogether and the uh, very high-end customized water container, water bottle, uh, might turn into some other product because the, the product itself is just the medium to carry the logo. So we have that conversation with them. We quote 
uh, where we anticipate what the tariff could be. And then when the invoices come in, then we have a second conversation with the client and we try to work it out to the best, the best of our abilities. Sure. Where do you anticipate, if you had to put your predictive hat on, that this is going to, you know, end up? Do we think that it's going to, they're going to come to an impasse and, you know, the tariffs will be pulled back? Well, I am a very positive person. You are. I really am. And I honestly think that the, at the end of the day, the tariffs will be rescinded, much like quota uh, was mm -hmm. in the past for caps. Uh, many years ago when we used to import caps or buy caps mm -hmm. uh, for clients, there was this thing called quota. And if you purchased caps in the first quarter of the year, there were no quota. Uh, translated, there were no tariffs. And towards the end of the year, the tariffs increased and increased and increased, mm -hmm. trying to limit the amount of caps that came into the United States. And uh, after many years, they realized this is not sustainable. The free trade agreements came into place. The tariffs were eliminated. And now you have the same flat pricing for mm -hmm. caps. And so I think the same thing is going to happen. Okay. Joanne, tomorrow's election day here in the U.S. And as we discussed again on the global panel in Tucson at the Power Summit, you know, you not only are you the president of Geiger, but you sit on WAGE and have mm -hmm. for many years. And for people who don't know, WAGE is uh, the acronym for the World Advertising Gift Exchange. Because of that, you are overseas many times throughout the year. You are in Hong Kong. You are in Europe. And I'm curious, as we discussed in Tucson, you have a very unique perspective on global markets and the perception of whether or not you agree with him or like him, Donald Trump overseas. Mm -hmm. And insofar as it relates to an American's ability to do business overseas, can you kind of give us, enlighten us on that? Sure. First of all, World Advertising Gift Exchange uh, was established in 1958. So it's a 60-year association of distributors, one member per country. And we have over a couple dozen members representing countries all over the world. And uh, we are all distributors in the promotional products business. Many of our distributors are in Europe. Uh, and we have a very strong distributor member that's uh, in Russia. And the uh, advent of our recent political situation in the last couple of years has really caused a lot of discomfort uh, with the perception of America's policies, uh, especially as it supports uh, uh, NATO. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of discussion in sure. Europe in terms of uh, people who are uh, insecure and uncomfortable. So what we're finding is to do business directly as an American is not necessarily always the most effective way. And so for us, we have to be global and act local. And uh, much like it is uh, from Montreal, Canada, because I'm a Quebecois, uh, Quebecers want to do business with Quebecers. Mm -hmm. uh, we're finding more and more, uh, especially in Europe, uh, Europeans, if you're an Italian, you want to do business with Italians. If you're French, you want to do business in French. Mm -hmm. And so that's actually helping to push us into our policy or our strategy to uh, uh, acquire companies mm -hmm. and expand our global reach is we want to act global 
and be local. Is it part of our uh, president and our current uh, policies, national policies? I think that's encouraging it, but it's also uh, a result of some discomfort mm -hmm. of working with Americans as well as uh, what has always been consistent uh, over the ages as people want to work locally. Sure, sure. Um, both on a, a micro level and a macro level, I wanted to ask you about both Geiger, how's Geiger doing this year, and how you see the industry kind of doing now and maybe for the next three to five years, and do you consider Amazon a threat? So three-part question, <laughs> okay. Geiger first. Geiger is doing great. Uh, the uh, acquisition we had early this year with Geiger BTC in London has UK been company. really a terrific match for us, and there's been a lot of synergy because we've been able to uh, expand our relationships with our clients on a North Amer from a North American basis to a European basis, and that's actually helped us and added to us. We're like that little engine that could. We always seem to grow year after year after year. First of all, uh, not such many, a little engine, but <laughs> okay, we're a big engine. But we, you know, it, there's this. It's consistent performance year after year, and mm -hmm. we're having another really good year uh, consistently. Uh, the second question, I, I know you went to Amazon was the third. What was the second? Overall, the industry. Overall, as the industry as, in the next five years. Sales uh, trends, you know. Well, I think that uh, private equity money is going to continue to flow in this industry because it's a terrific industry. I think we're going to continue to see uh, the consolidation of print distributors into promotional products distributors as well because there's such a synergy between this, the, the buyers as well as the methodology mm -hmm. uh, for the market. So we're going to see both of that continue. I think the value of the marketing medium that we have is uh, second to none. And that's going to actually help support our industry more and more. Our stuff is cool. Mm -hmm. People like our stuff. And that that's only going to speak to uh, the growth of the industry overall. There will probably be a ski bump or a speed bump in the next five years uh, based on plain old basic economics. Mm -hmm. We've been in a bull market for so long, mm -hmm. but I think it's just gonna be a bump. I don't think it's gonna be a cliff and I don't think it's gonna be uh, a hill or a mountain. Now, Amazon. Yes. Amazon is awesome because it's created a whole new generation of expectations in terms of everything of how quickly people want their goods mm -hmm. or their items. I was just having a conversation with somebody. They want it today. They want it tomorrow. <laughs> of course. And that's great in terms of our supply chain because that means we need to have uh, products available uh, through domestic companies, even if they're imported, that has to be delivered in the next day or two. Sure. And that speaks to investment in technology and investment in communications. I think Amazon is also fantastic because the more the market grows, the more availability, the more that we have really strong competitors, uh, it elevates all of us. And I think that that's a good thing. So I only see uh, good things as a result of Amazon. Finally, Amazon is going to push us as distributors to start looking into, uh, in addition to data analytics, to analyze what we do, mm -hmm. but into artificial intelligence. We are going to have to become even more sophisticated because of the generation of expectations that our consumers have. And so I think it's, I think it's all good. That's great. So the industry average right now is 5% growth. Mm -hmm. Is Geiger on par with that, or, uh, you know, are you guys... We're well ahead of that. That's wonderful. Yes. Okay. Um, I also want to ask you about this industry regarding inclusion. You know, it struck me, as uh, you and I were just talking, you are one of the few 
female presidents of a top 40 company. And you and I have been, you know, I've been in the industry 21 years, you longer than me. And it's, it's amazing to me that there still aren't, women are not represented as much as they should be or by the numbers of women in this industry mm-hmm. at the higher levels of the companies. And why do you think that is? And are we making progress in that area? Well, we're definitely making progress because this has been a passion of mine uh, since uh, 2000, which is 18 years ago, mm-hmm. is to work with uh, other women in this industry to help them elevate their skills and to help them, mentor them, grow them, provide them a forum to uh, expand their skills skills so that they can uh, be the CEOs or in the C-suite of whatever company that they choose to be with. So there certainly has been some uh, progress uh, from uh, supplier and distributor mm-hmm. uh, CEOs as well as even in our own in- or, uh, association. Uh, we still have a long way to go, though. And the more that I can reach out and help others and we can have forums to help uh, women uh, excel in this industry, uh, the, the better off we will all be. Then we need to go even beyond just women. And so it's, it's not only women, but it's uh, individuals who may uh, be uh, participants in any minority group. Mm-hmm. We have to reach out to help them as well. There's one thing that I've been paying quite a bit of attention to lately, and it's the term called unconscious bias. And I've really been even paying attention to that uh, in myself, my, as, uh, for as myself as an individual, and how do I actually uh, help expand unconscious bias and be se- unconscious bias and be sensitive to that. So it's uh, it's an issue that's uh, very near and dear to my part, uh, my heart, mm-hmm. and one that I will dedicate the rest of my career to continue to help to expand for people. And your goals as you take over the reins officially in January as president of Geiger? Well, uh, I don't want to screw it up, <laughs> so that's my first goal. Uh, I'm the first non-family uh, member of a four, five-generational mm-hmm. company to be uh, president of the company. And my goal is to expand uh, the business and to help it grow uh, beyond uh, North American borders. We want to be the type of distributor that can work with our clients Uh, wherever they have their constituents are and help them solve their marketing needs and their their problems. And so we will be where our customers are. So more global acquisitions. Absolutely. That's great. Well, thank you so much for your time, Joanne. It is a pleasure. Thank you very much, Michelle. I really enjoyed being here. And uh, again, thank you for the warm reception. Uh, You're so welcome. You're welcome. Take care. care. Bye-bye.